The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome to the Gun Show. <laughs> uh, this is Adam Black, and I'm here with our uh, three, two of our typical three. Wait a minute, how many do we have? Three of our typical horsemen. I'm here with this uh, boy ain't good at math. <laughs> Doctor Ben Carfin, Doctor. Uh, what what is Thurman. it that you do for work? But yeah, don't worry about it. Just build buildings. Um, <laughs> God bless. I just don't eat at Starbucks and Camel. Um, anyway, uh, and and we have a special guest tonight, Mister Chris Eastep, uh, from Barberville, the world-renowned that Elvis is still the impersonator. <laughs> yes, before the beard. Yes, before the beard. And so, um, but tonight we're going to be discussing uh, kind of a hot topic uh, that. Um, becomes a topic a little too often uh, these days. And kind of the topic of the discussion is going to be God and guns. And uh, with the shootings that occurred um, last week in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio, uh, I felt like it would be a good time for us to discuss from a theological perspective uh, on uh, should Christians, what Christians' position on guns should be, but before we get there, I want to ask the question uh, right off the bat um, as to we know sin, but what is what do you guys think of as the cause of these shootings occurring? And we chalk it up to sin, but but what are some other factors that you guys feel like is leading to this? Well. I think in the case of these guys, most of the time, these types of shootings, you've got young men. Uh, they have deep psychological problems, uh, family issues most of the time. Um, and you throw all those things together with a uh, penchant for violent films and video games that to fill their brains with uh, those images uh, you know, very isolated individuals, loners, uh, and um, they begin to, you know, take in all kinds of political philosophy sometimes as well, ideologies that they buy into, and it, it becomes a very uh, toxic uh, cocktail that they're drinking. And as a result of that, uh, uh, they have a, a hunger for glory or significance, I think, and uh, you put all that together. Uh, but at its root, of course, is the depravity of the human heart. But, uh, but I think those other things perhaps provide the spark that lights uh, the uh, fire uh, that's within. Well, I think you spoke to it a minute ago. One of the things I've been <clears throat> reading on these situations, and CNN did a really good article uh, a year ago after the Parkland shooting at the high school about the fatherless society because the overwhelming majority of these guys come from a fatherless home. And um, there's, there's too many statistics out there to, to, to point to, and then to narrow it down to shootings per se, but the, the, the occurrence and the percentage of uh, 
men being violent in, in this extreme and committing crimes from a fatherless home, the numbers just skyrocket when the father's not present. Um, so I think that's a, a big reason. Um, what do you guys, you want to add anything to that? I would agree with what Dennis said. You know, you, I think the the influence of violent movies and, and video games, because if you look over you the do course, think that you, you I, do think that's a, I think, I don't think it's solely the cause, but I think we would be foolish to say that it doesn't have some impact because even if you look at the course of histories and, and uh, mm-hmm. of, of movies and video games over say the last 20 years, I mean, they've become significantly more violent and, and gory and, yeah. and almost to the point of just, you know, there's no purpose in the movie. There's no plot, right. you know, in some of those films. And I also think that social media plays a part into that, too, because, you know, you've got guys who are loners in the fact that they have no physical or face-to-face relationships, but they develop relationships online um, where people feel like the freedom to say things that they would never say if they were person-to-person or Mm -hmm. face-to-face and to describe things and talk about things. And, you know, and even in the last few weeks, various other subjects, I've, I've not been on Twitter in a long time until a couple weeks ago when some other things started breaking in the, in the Christian world. And I got on there and I started running down the rabbit trail of, of Twitter feeds. And it's like, it's amazing how quickly you can get caught up in something. And the temptation is, is just to believe it because you're reading it on the page and it sounds logical without being given any consideration of, what, of the truth to it or not. Right. And I think that's where a lot of that influence comes from is because people have an idea, they get on Twitter and they find people who are more than willing to agree with their thoughts, whether they be true or not. And they find that encouragement and that, um, and that kind of push to keep doing and thinking the way that they're thinking. And right. you know, um, uh, what was the you know there's kind of the is it 4chan or one of those that was shut down you know mm-hmm. in the wake of all these shootings right. because it's like even more so. I mean, you, pretty much anything. Goes that was there. the El Paso guy. That, and um, and I think manif- what happened his with manifesto that? was was published on there, yeah. and they would have all those interactions. Uh, it's just kind of like kind a of dark web it. kind of yeah. thing. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's pretty much you can get on there, and there's no rules or or gamuts as to what you can post and talk about. And it's a place where a lot of these guys go because they know that there's no rules and they can talk about things and there's no consequences for it. And 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 I think that that has a big part, you know, because you can find somebody to justify the things you're feeling, whether it be true or not. And it pushes them into those, um, you know, into those actions. Well, you you mentioned the video games. I was I was reading a thing the other day that was talking about and I can't think of the name of it, but I know there I've played games that part of the game is going in, shooting up airports, uh, trying to kill as many people as you can. And, um, that can't be good. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like in any sense, that can't be positive. I can't think of any stage of my life that it was beneficial for me to play a game where I'm shooting up an entire, you know, but I think some of that plays to the culture of death that we are like desensitized yeah. to, uh, that's, that, what I was, that's what I was going to say. At the very least, it desensitizes young people to the experiences of emotion that we're supposed to have when things like that happen. Right. You know, when 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 somebody dies or is brutally murdered, it's like that should grieve our hearts. We know whether you're a Christian or not, it should grieve your hearts. Right. You know. So, but when you've been desensitized to that, it's like when you can go in and you can watch a movie where some guy breaks into a house and butchers an entire family. And all you're thinking about is, well, that was a pretty bloody scene. I can't wait to see what the next one was. And you feel no emotion towards that. It's like, that's a problem. Right. You know, and it's like, obviously not everybody who plays a violent video game is going to go out and, and commit a shooting. We're not saying that at all, because we understand that's not the purpose here. But it goes back, you know, to heart and sinfulness. But 
at the very least, it's desensitizing an entire generation of people towards the emotions that God has put innately in human beings to feel in those kind of situations. Right. So let's let's flip the script just a little bit. You know, if you've watched the news um, at all from a secular position, and I want to kind of show the difference here, what are they blaming the situations on? Why, what is the kind of the secular view of why these things are occurring? Have you, have you paid any attention to that? Yes, it's Donald Trump. <laughs> well. Obviously, he's the cause of every mass murder. Uh, and and I think he uh, inspired Bonnie and Clyde to go on their robbery spree. Uh, also, the assassination I, I saw, of Lincoln. I, yeah, I saw that on the internet. Actually, <laughs> Trump's fault. Yeah, it's true. I mean, but it, but it's political. I and mean, here's here's what I would say, regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, that that here are people because they are made in the image of God. That even if they don't know Christ, they have this sense of morality inside of them. I heard Al Mohler talking about that. And, and so when these things happen, there's a moral outrage that happens. But then where do they turn for a solution? To the government, right. to politics. That's the blame. That's the fix. That's the cure. If we can seize guns, if we can pass laws, if we can do this, then it'll fix and cure everything. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a failure. I think even though there's a, a grasping that there's something gone wrong that they, they turn to their own way to try to fix it. And they think that also politics are the blame. So just change that, elect a new person, get a new law passed, and it'll all be fine. Even though Obama, there was just as many shootings, if not more, sure. under his watch. Well, and, and, we're not bl- and you know, we're not blaming Obama. I'm just saying that if you think a certain political party should be in power, and if they were in power, it wouldn't happen, yeah. that is false, right? Well, you've got all the mass killings that happen all the time in inner cities. In fact, the bulk of what uh, is defined as mass killings, about 75% are done by African-American or Hispanics uh, in gang-related, drug-related things. And so there's where your mass killings are happening, Chicago and New York and other places like that, that kind of violence, which is not to remove these other horrible things that we're talking about. But but as far as the statistics go, you know, there's and, and who's in charge of those cities? Probably not Donald Trump, I'm guessing, but right. anyway. Well, and there's something to that, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't agree with most of what he said, but like you just said, 75% of quote-unquote mass shootings are done by African-Americans and Hispanics, and it's not a race. But no. why then is only these? You don't hear nothing about those. No. Because it's, it can't be politicized. No. And, and so it's not I politically think, correct to say that. Right. And I think, but I think you nailed it in the sense of it's, it's used as a political tool. And um, speaking of the politics, and I'm glad you said that is, as I heard um, some presidential hopefuls was talking about, and this is the direction I want us to go, was talking about how we need to stop with the hopes and prayers, uh, thoughts and prayers that we need to stop that because obviously that isn't working. So I want to ask this question. Is there a solution? Is there, we can chalk it up to Jesus, but as a Christian, should we fight for what kind of gun laws and gun type things should we be fighting for? If any, what is a solution? Well, although I do not like the attitude that's expressed there, uh, they have stumbled upon a little bit of truth. You know, where, where James says that faith without works is dead. 
So if all we're doing is offering thoughts and prayers, then really we're not doing what we need to do. Now, obviously, if someone's dead, then you're, what can you do for the family? You offer thoughts and prayers, right? right. And, and yet, uh, beyond that, there's actions that have to grow out of those things. And, and so one thing I think that, that can be done is uh, to have a, a legitimate, civil, if possible, <laughs> discussion about these issues that people disagree on without promoting a party or, you know, that, that sort of thing. Is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> with God, all things are possible, but with <laughs> politics, I don't know. Right. Well, I think, you know, for me personally, you know, they've been talking a lot about uh, the idea of gun confiscation, you know, taking eliminating quote unquote assault rifles and, and, and that type of thing. But when you look, and this is the thing I've always tried to discuss with my more liberal friends is when you look at the amount of guns in circulation, even, even quote unquote assault rifles, even though they can't define what an assault rifle well, is. It's a rifle, not an yes. assault weapon. Yes. Yeah. They, <laughs> no they matter have what really, kind it is. They have a really hard time defining that. Um, but that's something easy to say. Um, but with the amount in circulation, you if you try to do a ban, you're asking for a civil war. You're yes, asking you for you're asking for for problems. So have you guys heard or do you guys have any thoughts on legislation that could possibly help in this situation? One that I can one that I can think of is and even then it's it's difficult, is some of the loopholes that is that are present in purchasing guns in the sense of the, the gun show laws and um, being able to trade guns on the outside and without any real idea of a background check and things like that, even though I don't even think a background check will work because most of the guys who have done these shootings could actually pass a background yeah, check. And purchase the weapons legally and right. so forth. So have you guys heard any solutions that, are possible that could work or better than what we have or no? Are you asking me as an American or a Christian? Either way. We hope you're both. (laughs) I, I, I am both, but I do see distinctions between the two. I think that's part of the problem is evangelicals can't distinguish between what should be my attitude towards these issues as an American versus as a Christian. So with guns go, go there. What do you mean? So, so with guns, um, I think that uh, there's a biblical precedent for self-defense. I mean, Jesus himself told his disciples to go and buy a sword. Um, And so I don't think that uh, the Bible teaches pacifism, that there's never a time for violence or that there's never uh, an appropriate time. I think um, if someone tried to harm my family, if someone broke into my house and tried to harm my family and I killed that person in self-defense, I don't think that's a sin for me to do that. I think that's me fulfilling my responsibility to protect my family. Um, so in, in a country where I could purchase a gun, um, would I be willing to do that? Like, yeah, I think given the circumstances, uh, if I felt like I was living in an area where I needed that to protect my family or whatever, I don't have a problem with that. Um, so from a biblical perspective, I think you can make an argument for self-defense do I think that I can make an argument from scripture that would cause me to pursue certain legislation or political solutions in America? No. And the reason why is because the the option of being able to defend ourselves with weapons is already in the hands of the civil government. And so 
uh, as an American, I live in a legal system where I can have influence on legislation. And so I'm going to vote my conscience and vote for things that I think would be helpful. And so I don't have a problem with a Christian person saying I support this type of legislation or that type of legislation or whatever from an American perspective. But the problem is when you talk about it being like, like a, a right in the sense of um, Christians in countries where uh, possessing weapons personally are not legal are not fighting for those kind of rights because ultimately their allegiance is to Christ. And so if they had a choice in it, then sure, make, make the choice if you have the choice. But I'm not going to say, well, if they, if they confiscate all the guns and they ban all the guns in America then I'm just not going to be an American anymore, or that somehow that's a spiritual issue for me. I don't think it's a spiritual issue. I, th- I think it's a civic issue. Um, and so I think the problem is people conflate those two ideas of, if you take my guns away, that's almost like taking my religion away. And, and that's where some of the liberal end, actually, I think they have some valid points of, of kind of characterizing uh, white evangelicals as like these gun-toting, like ignorant people, even though the, even though many of them are not when they don't make a clear distinction between like my voting for this legislation or that legislation is not based on the Bible. It's based on what I as a citizen think is best for the country. People don't make those kind of distinctions. What you, what you hear is, is, you know, uh, God bless America and God bless this AR 15. You know what I mean? And so it, it just muddies the conversation. So it's like, if we're talking about citizens of what's best for America as citizens, that's one conversation. If we're saying, what does the Bible command me to do regarding guns? The Bible doesn't command you to do anything regarding guns. Well, let me, let me push back just a little, and, and I understand where, you, where you're going. But as far as my responsibility as a Christian, uh, according to Romans uh, 13 others, I'm to respect the government authorities. And what we have here is a constitutional government, Okay. And in that constitutional government, one of the fundamental rights is the right to bear arms. And so if I'm submitted to that, it really is not about legislation. There's a process to go through. Say you wanted to ban all weapons. Well, you could do it. But the way you do it is not through some individual political vote that happens or through some Supreme Court decision. It's by amending the Constitution. And you can actually do that and bring those kind of changes if you follow the process. But my concern is that instead of doing that, uh, that that what we're doing is is we're chiseling away the very foundation of the Constitution, not just in this way, but many other ways. And I see it as a Christian duty to be submissive to what that government is intended to be, so long as I have that uh, that opportunity. I, I don't, you know, the president's not my king. Uh, I should respect him, pray for him. The senators and others in position of responsibility, the judges, I'm, I'm to be responsive to them. But ultimately, that document uh, governs my citizenship. And that citizenship is governed by, by God who has ordained government to preserve law and order. So that's kind of how I see that. So, But what you're saying is, is you're uh, saying up, upholding the system of government that the country was formed on. Correct. Which I, I'm in favor of. I think that's a good system of government. But I'm not sure that that's the system of government that we have now. So when you're applying Romans 13, is that saying be, being submissive to the government that the founding fathers envisioned or being submissive to the government that exists today? Until the Constitution is uh, amended, uh, changed uh, you know, in some fashion, 
that to me is my allegiance. It's that government of the people that's been established. Now, we can quibble or discuss whether that's the best government or whatever. That is our government. And I'm not in, like you said, if I was in another nation, then I would need to be obedient to those laws. Right. That's my thoughts. Well, I'm kind of curious. You were talking about, you were talking about a person in another country and you you said something along the lines of they wouldn't be fighting for gun rights. How did you word that? Or do you remember? Essentially, if I'm in a country where like the idea of citizens owning guns isn't even a thing, I'm not going to be voting for politicians if I can even vote or being some kind of activist for gun rights based on the fact that I'm a Christian. Like that's just not going to be a, I don't, I don't see that happening. I I don't think it makes sense for that to happen. Again, in America, if you have a vote, then that's fine. It's the same thing with the political system in general. I don't think Christians have to vote on anything depending on their cultural context. You know, if I, if I'm in a communist country where the, the leadership is the leadership, I don't have to advocate for myself to have a vote because there's nowhere in the Bible that says I have to vote in who the government is. Does that make sense? Now, in America, we do have an opportunity, and so I think it would be a g- good citizenship to exercise that opportunity and to vote and to, to be involved in government and those kind of things to the extent that we're able. But I see a lot of people with this this mentality of, you know, uh, you know, the government can take my guns over my cold, dead hands, you know, and uh, and this kind of mentality. And I'm like, I just I don't see that scripturally. You know, I, I don't see how you can say like, you know, if you say as a citizen, I'm committed to this and, and I'm I would fight the government from a from a perspective like Dennis said of upholding, you know, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's a different discussion than saying I'm a Christian and I will shoot you if you're the government and you try to come and take my gun. So let me let me let me push here a little bit in the sense of. You said in it, you, you you said initially that if someone were to break in your house and try to harm your family, that you would you would you would shoot them mm-hmm. over your, your cold dead body, right? Right. So what's the difference in fighting for your freedom to protect your family in that case? It's it's a, a matter of the imminence of the threat. Okay, so for instance, um, if the government came to my house and said we are confiscating all of the weapons in your house. Give us your weapons. I'm going to give them my weapons because I'm submitting myself to the government. Now, if they say, give us your weapons because we're going to hurt your family, I'll kill everybody that's there. And it's not a matter of them being in the government or not the government. It's a matter at that point, there's an imminent danger to my family. If they just say, we're going to take your guns and your family's fine as long as you don't cause a problem, then I'm going to lay low and not cause a problem. Yeah, and this is some of the argument that's happening in our generation over the the revolution uh, that began this country to begin with is was that even justified or not? Because you have people my age who are asking the question of, as Christians, was it even justified for us to set up this country to begin with uh, biblically, or was it more of a kind of political taxation type issue? And so there's questions like that that arise. To me, it's, it's the imminence of the threat. Like if anybody, go, a government or anybody else, is threatening the lives of my family, that 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 is a threat. But if if it's the idea of we're passing a law that you can't do this thing, I'm not going to break the law, and unless I absolutely have to on on God's word. If if those that are in power can confiscate 
our weapons, then basically America, as it was founded, is no more. That's the purpose of the Second Amendment. That was the purpose of the Second Amendment. That's Mm -hmm. why, and and we can have the debate, oh, it's a, a different debate, about the founding of America. The reality is we're in America. And I would agree with that. But what I'm saying is, is our, okay, so put yourselves in the shoes of, you know, you're somebody in Germany, the Nazi powers are coming, uh, and this is one of the things that they did is they confiscated weapons, right? I'm glad you answered so, because that's where I was Okay, so, so you're a Christian, right? or maybe even a Jewish person in that context. They come to your house and they tell you, we know, you know, you registered guns. We know you have this many registered weapons in the house. You need to hand over those weapons. Do you hand them over? I probably, I would put up a fight. So, so you would and, put up a, now would you do that because you're a Christian or because you're a citizen? Because I'm protecting my family. Well, I think it has to do too with how that all that happens. Because Dennis pointed out, you know, I think as Christians, we can take a stand on that because it is a constitutional right that we've been granted as a country. You know, so we're standing upon that as, you know, even with Romans 13, submitting to the government, this is what the government said, that we have the right and the authority to do. So if somebody shows up at my door tomorrow and says, okay, we're here to take your guns, and they say, well, you know, my question would be, well, by what right? You know, it's like, is there a constitutional amendment? Because if there is a constitutional amendment, and the country that that's voted upon, then I think that's a whole different you perspective. Submit, you then. submit. Then to the you government. submit. But if it's just because they found some judge somewhere who would you know pass a law to say, okay, we're going to allow you to do this, I think that allows for more pushback and more resistance because they're trying to bypass the authority that's still in place. And and it comes down to not not the entirety of it, but a lot of it comes down to the fact that we have an entire nation of people who have absolutely no idea how our government is founded and how it's supposed to work. Correct. They think that the Supreme Court makes laws. The Supreme Court doesn't make laws. It interprets law. It has no power to make law. But when you hear people talk about abortion, they say, well, abortion is law. No, it's an interpretation of it, but that's it's not a law. What in Roe versus Wade is not a law. It's an interpretation that the Supreme Court made a decision on that. But we have so many people that they have a misunderstanding of how they think this works. And so, you know, you have people who are running for president. The first thing I want to do is create an executive order and do all this. It's like, that's not the way this operates. You know, so I think you have to look at it from that perspective of how are they, you know, if this is tried to be, if they try to do this, how are they doing it? And then you make the decision on, okay, as a Christian, do I feel like I'm obligated to submit to that authority or do I feel like I have the room to to push back and to defend myself? Um, but I see, but I see the the scenario you gave. <clears throat> I'm thinking for myself, if the government tried to come and confiscate my guns, it's not a it's not a matter of a worship of guns or, uh, 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 and I understand what you're saying, but to me, one of the think about the Jewish family hindsight 2020. Should I have stood up and fought? Absolutely, absolutely. You know what I'm saying, like. Because giving up my guns is giving up my protection. Therefore, the government come in and hey, you're going or to the protection of others, your neighbors who are Jews. Right, you're you're giving up. You're giving up the right to fight in a sense. I mean, and and so, am I wrong in that? I'm I'm asking. I'm not. Am I but wrong? Do you, in that but sense? do you think that that's assuming from hindsight, knowing what we know? If I was living there at that time and somebody came to me, you know, I mean, people elected the Nazi party, you know what I mean? Like, the, like in general, until most people thought that like what they were doing was right. They didn't, a lot of people didn't realize that there was this whole extermination of people going on or that, or at least not in the beginning, you know? And so it's like, 
if it's a matter of they're making an argument for safety, there's a lot of gun violence, you know, we need trained people, you know, the arguments that we hear in our culture, right? Mm. Um, you know, uh, so those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Oh, for sure. For sure. No doubt. And, and, and to say that, that what we're seeing in our country right now isn't heading in the same direction as other nations would be foolish. I mean, if you look at history, well, we're definitely like, I have, I have no doubt in my lifetime that gun confiscation, all that is probably going to be a thing in America. It's just a matter of time. And I think part of it is because the branches of power are so messed up that like, it's, it's not even about legislation. I mean, we've already seen, you know, the Burgerfeld decision. That's not legislation. And yet it's completely up uh you know created an upheaval as far as marriage law in our country um uh, health care you know um that wasn't in the constitution we, we saw well we saw we saw situations with with the affordable care act where they opened up a federal marketplace that they weren't legally allowed to do and instead of rewriting the law which they knew wouldn't pass in congress because there was a republican majority they got the supreme court the supreme court to interpret it for them saying that uh, the intention of the Affordable uh, Health Care Act was to create access for everybody, and that, and so therefore they were justified in doing this thing that they legally were not allowed to do. So, like we've seen cases where the this the separation of powers and all this kind of stuff in our country is totally collapsing, and so the idea of like uh, the president being able to write executive orders for everyone and do things like that is we're just moving in that direction, and so at some point. Um, it's just going to collapse and it's going to be an executive order or whatever. And the constitution is not really going to matter anymore. And to think, I, I, I don't, I hate to sound uh, pessimistic, but like, I don't think that we can recover a constitutional government at this point. I think history shows us that we're, we're, we're on the slippery slope and we're just kind of, it's a matter of time. It's, it's, things are falling apart. Well, and, and here's one thing that we've got to think about, that with all these weapons, if we descend into anarchy, and I think that's really, to me, where we're, where we're headed, if things don't change, uh, then it's going to be a situation, it's going to be worse than the Wild West. I mean, it's going to be that every little pocket of people are going to form their little groups to defend their stuff or take what they want, and, and it's going to be nuts. Um, I've been on a mission trip to Albania, and Albania was strictly communist. And when it fell uh, and and dissolved, uh, it degenerated into anarchy. And and everybody had these AK-47s. I mean, everybody. And it was just brutal, the things that were happening. And the few Christians that were there uh, were just suffering greatly because of, of that. What did they do in that? Well, they managed to weather the storm and... Uh, you know, the end result is that even though it's a predominantly Muslim nation today, uh, there still is some freedom for, for those believers. But, uh, boy, it was some hairy times to read about all that was going on. And if you were like over there, uh, you know, as a missionary or whatever, it was extremely dangerous uh, because everybody had a weapon. And you right. never knew where you was going to go. You going to drive down the road and here's somebody ready to intercept you. So uh, I, I could envision that... Uh, you know, if things don't change, that's where we're headed. And there's no consequences in those environments. And that's the problem is, is if you kill somebody else, nobody's going to do anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So that movie, you ever seen it? What, The Purge? <laughs> you got 24 hours or whatever to... No, I don't watch those devil Yeah, movies. I don't either. I never saw it, but I think that's the premise. <laughs> I, I think one thing that we, we need to be mindful of, too, especially as Christians and how we respond to situations like this, is 
is to not jump on the bandwagon of saying, well, you know, I'm going to defend my gun rights above all and not be careful to say, I'm going to try my, I'm going to try to understand the other side of why people feel the way that they do about the situation. Because you have to remember when you have people who are not believers in Jesus Christ, they have no coping mechanism to understand when something like this happens. You know, so when they see a shooting like this, they have no way to wrap their minds around why this would happen because they don't believe in sin. They don't believe in evil. They don't believe in, in the fact that there is good and evil. So they have no way to reconcile this in their mind. And so they have to look for something to blame. And the easiest thing to blame is guns. You know, so I think we need to, as pastors and as church leaders, it's like, how can we help people? Because most likely we may have some people in our congregation who look at this and they say, yeah, we need to pass more gun legislation in order to do that. It's like, but what we need to help people understand is like, we, we hear why you're hurting is what you need to understand is the root cause of this is, is not ultimately violent video games or, or the guns themselves or even the politics, although all those things play into it. Ultimately, it's sin, right. you know, and until you understand sinfulness and until you realize that that's the cause of all this, then you can pass all the legislation you want. You know, you can take away or supposedly take away everybody's guns. You know what? People will just use knives. Yeah. They'll use clubs. They'll, they'll find a way to to satisfy the desires they'll of their They'll take heart. a car and drive through a crowd. Right? Yeah. How hard you is that? You cannot legislate the hearts of men. Right. Well, and, and, and all this arises, the problem when you were talking about kind of a consistent theme with these shooters, the, the problem really is that a lot of them have consistent worldviews. So like so our position would be that Christianity is the only worldview that's consistent with reality. So like when we when we see somebody commit a violent crime that ma- that makes sense to us like Chris was saying we have a framework for understanding that because we assume that people are evil and they're going to do wicked things. And so uh, when somebody doesn't do a wicked thing that's actually more surprising than people committing wicked acts against each other. That's kind of the status quo in Christianity. But in a secular worldview, like like many of these people have, um, that good, like Chris said, good and evil don't exist. Right and wrong don't exist. The value of life does not exist. You know, one of the things somebody's pointed out is is that you know we're really upset over these mass shootings, and we should be because it is evil. Anytime you're taking someone else's life unjustified, it's wicked and evil. And yet, at the same time, there's three thousand babies that the government forces me to pay to get killed every day. Right. And no, and, and, and you're not going to see that on the news. And so, you know, I mean, that's, that's Holocaust level stuff, you know, that's happening every single day. And nobody's talking about, we need more legislation to prevent these Holocaust from happening, or it's not getting media coverage. And that's a whole different issue. But, um, the, the problem is, is that there is a consistent worldview because if I have a secular worldview and human beings don't have any inherent value, like then me wiping a person off the face of the planet means literally nothing in the scope of eternity or anything else. It, it's, it's one bag shooting at another bag Survival of the and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, um, if for some reason I marginalize these, these people, which I'm allowed to do according to cultural Darwinism, these people somehow are inferior to me or less valuable to society or less useful or whatever. So if I have some prejudice against these people, then I'm actually justified because I am doing natural selection by basically increasing the, the, the purity of society by removing these people that I consider to be deplorables or whatever, right. you know. And so the, the, the problem is, is that, you know, a lot of people say, I don't understand how somebody can do this. Well, the reason why they can do it is, is because 
um, they're consistent in what you've told them to believe. Um, and so that's why somebody can commit something like this. And we would consider them a sociopath because sometimes they actually think that they're a good person. They think like I did, like I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what everybody wanted me to do. I'm doing what nobody else had the guts to do. That's what some of these guys think. And, and the reason why is because society has basically told them that these other people don't matter, that, that you decide your own value. And if you feel like it's right, you need to follow your heart and do what's right. And for them, what's right is is wiping this group of people off the They're face oppressing of the earth. you. Yeah. Oppressing well, there, there won't be fewer. We're going to get ma- to that in another episode. <laughs> yeah, there, there will not be fewer mass killings if guns are taken. Right. But it will be the government that will be doing the mass killings. Right. So if you look at Stalin, yeah. mm-hmm. if you look at Pol Pot, Mao. if you look at Mao, all that crowd, there, there's there's your mass killings if you oh, want to yeah. see mass killings. Yep. And, and usually, and, and I guess this is a, a personal thing, uh, Christians and their families will be uh, number one in the in the hit list. Yeah. You have to silence the truth. Yep. So we would love to hear your comments um, on this topic of God and guns, and and we'd love to hear your take on it. So uh, be sure to comment. And uh, well, thank you for listening. God bless. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than bass the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the four. Cast men they call him for Katrina.